Now, I know we're talking about this we believe, but I believe accountable discipleship, but I want to add a little something to it and say this we believe. We believe in togetherness. Mm -hmm. we, and I'm not just talking about the song. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Since, since we've been together. No, I ain't talking about that song. <laughs> My drum, the drum, Brother William said, uh-huh, sure you're not, okay. <laughs> Friends, I believe that I am not the only one who thinks that in spite of all of our advanced technologies and access to a multiplicity of communication devices. I have two cell phones, amen? I have two cell phones, technically three iPads, two laptops, amen? amen. And despite of all of that, I still believe people live in isolation to one another. Or we may have connectivity, but not real community. I don't know about you, but I, I, I watch Catfish, the TV show. Does anybody else here watch Catfish? Okay, I got one other. The rest of y'all, I think, okay, I got another. I'm thinking, I got some sisters over there going, you know you watch that thing. I watch Catfish, right? Because people get catfished because they have these relationships online, right? There are people who've been in relationships for years with somebody they have never seen. And they seem shocked that the person, when they finally meet them, doesn't look anything like the picture. You have been catfished. I don't mean just a couple of weeks. But these, they will say, I love them. They listen to me. And I'm thinking, how can you love somebody? If this person is not going to video chat with you, there's a problem. Or even some of them never hear the person's voice, because sometimes it's the voice of somebody else, amen? And don't make me explain that. You may have lots of followers on Instagram and Twitter. You may get lots of likes on your Facebook post, but I want you to know about Facebook. People post the best time ever. Nobody posts on Facebook. Y'all, I am not doing well today. The hair doesn't look bad. Everything looks good. They are posing for the camera. They're showing you the best meal. They didn't show you that time all they had was some beanie weenies, amen? That's right. It's the best time ever. So you may get a lot of likes on Facebook, but I submit to you that none of that is sufficient for our lives, nor can it meet the deep spiritual need of our souls. We were meant for something more. We were created to be in real relationship with others and with God. But that is not what the world tells us, is it? We are encouraged, we are taught almost bullied to believe that we don't or should need anybody else. That we have to live our life on our own and on our own terms. This world tells us that we have to keep our lives, our sorrows. That's right, now you lose somebody, we expect you after we eat that chicken, amen? That's right, you better be all right. The next week we talk to you. That we are supposed to keep our lives, our sorrows, our struggles to ourselves and, and that we should be independent, not relying on others. And we even, you heard this cliche, the Lord helps those who help themselves. Baby, that's not biblical. And it's showing holy. 
when we speak of our faith as disciples, it can be so personal, so individualist. I have a personal relationship with God. Well, I don't understand. You're supposed to be in a relationship with me too. Because if we are going to be and grow as Christians, how are we going to do that all by ourselves and apart from a community of believers? I have told you for the past four years, going in five, you can't be a good Christian by yourself. You need me. You need me to get on your nerves, amen? You need me to call you 15, 11 times asking you to do something that you don't want to do. How are you going to practice all that patience and self-control and love without me? I'm doing you a favor by getting on your nerves, amen? I'm helping you to be holy. We are not meant to live our lives apart from a community of believers. God didn't create us to be independent and to live autonomous lives, but rather God created us to be interdependent, communal, and related. It's not that individuality doesn't matter. It does. But how can we hope to advance in our movement, our journey towards spiritual maturity, all on our own. We don't give a baby in about three or four years old. We, we say, baby, we got to hip you to the world, okay? And the only way you're going to be hip to the world is you got to do it on your own. We don't do that with children. That can't be in the life of faith. What does it mean that we only live on our own terms all by ourselves using just our own experiences as individuals? How is that helpful? If we do, we run the risk of foolishly being wise in our own eyes. And you check out Proverbs. Proverbs has a little bit of something to say about wisdom in your... I mean, how can we be shaped in the faith by ourselves without having others show us, mold us, teach us, and sharpen us? Proverbs says, iron sharpens iron. So one person sharpens another by coming together, having conversation. But we're good for insisting that no one, nobody can tell you nothing. They can't tell you what to do. They can't tell us anything. But I got news for you. A closed hand, a closed mind, and a closed heart can't receive anything more or new from God or anybody else. And maybe, maybe the reason we have so many dull and lackluster Christians who seem obtuse to the call of Christ because they, is because they shun accountability of community. They neglect the assembly and the opportunity for mutual accountability, encouragement, and support. He was like, I have church all by myself. No, baby, one person don't make a church. Amen? That's like the toad telling the, hey, look, I'm a toad. I can be, I'm the body. The toad can't be the body all by, you just a toad. <laughs> this long-ranger mentality isn't what God intended it's sin that convinces us that we don't need anybody else. It's sin that convinces us that we can make it on our own, that those people, uh -huh, those people, those people aren't any better than me. 
Those people didn't say they were. Or those people, child, you know, those people, they got issues. Baby, we all got issues. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's everybody. I don't care what house you live in. That is not a measure of your sinfulness or your blessedness. We're all God's people. Our lives are meant to be a community project. We are not intended to go it alone, but go and grow together. Together. How does the African proverb put it? If you want to go fast, sure, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. If you want to go all the way with God, if you want to do like the song says, run on and see what the end's going to be, go together. If you want to go to the place and purpose that God has for you, has for all of us, we're going to get there together. John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, believed in the principle of accountable discipleship. That he would that we should be, and God meant for us to be in covenant community, watching over one another in love, discipling one another in the faith, provoking one another to good works. Now let me break down that word provoke. It doesn't mean you're just going to instigate. Now I know we have had some instigators in the church. I'm not to inter- I'm, I'm, We've had people stir things up, but we're talking about stirring up the spirit. Stir up, yeah, it's a spirit. Stirring up the spirit of God. Helping one another, encouraging one another to do right for the Lord's sake. And I know that some of us maybe are uncomfortable with the word accountability, even though we seem to be okay with it on our job. I understand why when it is in the church because it is often associated with judgmentalism, punishment. But that's not what we mean. And that's not what Wesley meant. What it means is to give an account. That's all. To give an account, to bear witness, to tell the story of how God is moving in your life and how we are cooperating with the Holy Spirit to love God and neighbor more. And we're, that's it, right? That's for Wesley. We're supposed to go on to perfection, sanctification, to grow in loving God more and more, that the Spirit is constantly trying to root out of us more and more of that sin so that we can love more. John Wesley understood that the pursuit of holiness was a relational process and placed every Methodist in a class with a lay person as a class leader. Classes were small groups of persons who wanted to grow in their faith, who came together weekly for mutual accountability and support because they believed that only together, Only together could they follow Jesus by holding one another up. Only together could they fully follow Jesus by holding each other accountable and by encouraging one another in the faith. The wisdom writer of Ecclesiastes tells us that two are better than one because they can accomplish more together than they can singularly. 
two are better than one because if one falls down, amen, if one falls, then, then the other can help them up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. No community to support them, to love them. There's so many in our world, in our community, who need some help out of the mess that they're in. And y'all, it doesn't matter how they got in the mess, but that God wants to help them out of it. Y'all, that's the church. That's what it means to be the church, that we're in this faith journey together. We are here for each other and to help each other, to pick one another up when one of us falls. And if you don't fall, you're going to stumble. And if you don't stumble, you might slip and trip. Amen? Because our walk is never going to be perfect. Right? One of the, okay, but we don't want you to slip away. We're here for each other. Not to judge this, this relationship, this place, these people. This is the no judgment zone. You want judgment, you can go out to the world. But this is to be the no judgment zone. Why? Because all have sinned and fallen short. So if I sin, you sin, I'm a sinner, you a sinner, then we're, we're going to get off judging anybody. No judgment. We're here to thank God for the opportunity to live in a covenant community. No, this community is not perfect. You know, people say, over there at that church, a bunch of hypocrites. Well, my line is, well, good, you'll fit right in. <laughs> Welcome. We have a place for you. No, we're not perfect because we're not perfect. We're not a perfect community because we're not perfect people. Perfection is God. But each day we are striving toward perfection. Each day we're trying to be better than we were the day before. We try to love God more today than we did yesterday. Try and love each other more today than we did yesterday. Trying to follow a little more closely today than we did yesterday. We're striving and we're doing it together trying to reach the high mark of the calling. Together, we're striving. We may miss it, but we're striving. No, we're not perfect, but we are a community that has promised, that has covenanted to love one another as Christ loves us, to serve one another and others as Christ serves us. We're not going to always get it perfectly, but know that we are striving that your brothers and sisters are trying. I like what one commentator said about being together, about being part of the body of Christ. And she said, there's nothing challenging about having deep thoughts all by myself. <laughs> she says what she says. What is interesting is doing the work of the kingdom in building community together. Where other people might call you on your stuff. Amen. How you going to grow if nobody called you on your stuff? Here you are in your uh, algebra class. I, was it algebra? It was algebra, Miss Petruzzi. And we were doing logarithms and anti-logarithms. And all y'all math and science people. And I raised my hand in class. And I said, I was in 10th grade. I said, Miss Petruzzi, 
And I sat in the front of class, because I'm trying to get the best I can. She goes, yes, Sheila. I said, Miss Petruzzi, am I really going to use this when I get out of this? She said, yes, Sheila, you will use this. I said, okay. And I went back to my little work. And when I graduated, I would sometimes see her around town. And when I would see her, I would go, still not using it. <laughs> the first time I did it, she thought it was funny. The 15th time I did it, she didn't think it was funny. I would send her a Christmas card because she was still a drear. Still not using it. <laughs> and then one day I did when I joined an investment club. I went, oh my God. And I sent her a card saying, I have finally used it. It has taken me 15 years, but thanks be to God. I needed her help to understand. I can understand it all by myself. I can. I needed what she had to offer. We need what other people have to offer. Everyone has been gifted. And if you stay and keep your gift to yourself, then we can't do what God has called us to do together. We need to be called on our stuff. Because some of our stuff kind of stink. And I said, that's what? It's, you know, as if... you. We may not be able to see our stuff right, or we don't want to see it, but only somebody who loves you will see it in love. That ain't right, boo. Mm -hmm. Life with God is richer in community. We can and do more together than we can apart. One can be overpowered, but together we can defend ourselves and one another against the work of the adversary who seeks to tear us apart, who seeks to tear us down. We need to work, grow, and be together. And it's about our coming and being together that Solomon concludes the, the 12th verse as he does. He moves from talking about two to three. One strand is an individual. Two denotes a relationship, but three strands constitute a community just like the Holy Trinity, a community of love, a community of support, a community that is interdependent. That's right. We are called not to just be in relationship with one another, but we are called to be in community. Many of us on Martin Luther King Day will talk about the beloved community, but how are you going to build a beloved community all by yourself? You need a community. You need to participate in the community. You need to be active in the community. You need to sow into the community. Our strength as Christians comes from our belonging and participating in the church, in the body of Christ and its ministries. Not occasionally, but faithfully. Not when we get around to it, but that we are committed to it. Our ability to go on to perfection, to live more and more as Christ's disciples in the world happens in community. That's why people know we're crazy and we got issues, but when we can work together to accomplish the good, then God gets glory. If you do it on your own, you get glory, but when all the messed up people get together and somehow manage to do some good for God, God gets the glory. And don't you want God to get glory? 
We are called to serve as the body of Christ, not as individuals. Now, I have an image that I want to, want to show of the trees. There you go. Look at that tree. I'm reminded of the great sequoia trees, which can grow up to 350 feet high and 100 feet in width. There's one picture that I've almost seen where they literally are driving through this thing. But these trees' root systems can be rather shallow given their great height and depth. You would think that they would be unstable. But they survive. No, 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 they don't just survive. They thrive because they live in groves where their roots can intertwine and even fuse together. This togetherness gives them tremendous strength against the forces of nature. Because they are intertwined together, they can withstand high winds and raging floods. They hold each other up against the forces that seek to tear them asunder. This is what it means to be the church, to be a part of the body of Christ. We are to hold people up in good times and in bad times, when they get on our nerves and when they don't. We are to hold people up against the forces of this world that seek to destroy, to deter, and distract us from our call and commitment to Christ. We are to hold each other up in love, in love now, and help each other out so that all can reach maturity in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So that all might make it and see what the end's going to be. As a church, we are to intertwine our lives so that every one of us matters equally. That no person is better or more important than another. Our lives together as the church should be such that no one should always have their way. No one should have the final say. And no one is always right, amen? We ought to matter too much to each other for that. We recognize that we are in this thing together. That we are on a journey to Jesus and that we're going to get there together and we're not going to leave anybody behind. We're going to live out our faith together. We're going to learn how to love together. We're going to serve God together. We're going to seek God together. We're going to make Christ known together. We're going to accomplish God's purpose for this church together. Together.